Good morning, everyone. Friends, um, as it happens um, in life, uh, things can be very good at times, and other times they're very challenging, uh, odd, strange, certainly complicated. Uh, certainly I've experienced uh, the past week of that with many different things happening. My friends, uh, as I found myself, but we can become immersed in it, overwhelmed by it, uh, in the midst of trying to do our best to guard ourselves as much as we can from such challenges or setbacks, or even hurt. And yet through it all, uh, hoping for the best, uh, hoping for a bit of happiness, uh, or at least some peace of mind. My friends, I bring this up because I believe this is the backdrop of the woman in the gospel account read today. We are told of a woman that has several strikes against her in Jesus' society. It's not just that she is Samaritan, which means that uh, in a very unpleasant way of putting, she is considered to be a half-breed or a mixed-breed person. She's half-Jewish and uh, belonging to a pagan uh, race. And the Samaritans are despised by the Jews of Israel. Then we are told that she has had five husbands, and the man whom she is presently living with is not her husband. Um, last night I used a word that's probably not so good. I said shacked up uh, with. But, uh, uh, but cohabitation is the word I was searching for, <clears throat> which is not permitted in our church. It means to live with someone and to act as if you are married. That is not permitted. That's a, a blockage. Um, but uh, so I'll have to make my mea culpas <laughs> for saying the other word. But in this, my friends, the woman of her, the woman of her town despise her, likely because of this situation, and perhaps they see her as a woman of loose morals, not to be trusted around their family members, in particular their husbands. Um, the woman certainly is no stranger than to the painful side of life. In her society, a woman could not divorce a man. And this will be the first time that I've spoken this way about the woman of Samaria in a homily. Um, but I want to point this out. In her time, she could not ask for a divorce. Only the man can ask for a divorce. And, to be really honest, uh, they could put forth stupid reasons for the divorce, such as the woman is old now, the woman has gotten overweight now. The woman can't cook properly. So you see what I mean? Uh, these were actually valid reasons for writing a bill of divorce and sending her on her way. In this, then, she must have been dismissed by her husbands on five occasions. Five times she experienced the bitterness of rejection and then the consequences from that. those men acting that way. I mean... She's not the one who asked for the divorce. They did. She would have been exposed to ridicule and judgment and mockery of the townspeople, who more than likely were being self-righteous. In this, she would have been familiar with loneliness, unhappiness, isolation. And I surmise religion was not equal to her at that stage in life. And that is not to say that she was wicked, or that she was ignorant of religious realities. Just to say that in that moment, um, it was tough with the religion of their time. 
One day, she comes on her usual routine to journey to a well to draw water alone. And she comes at it, uh, the scriptures point out the hour she comes, that is not the time that the women of the town would come for water. So she is not with them. She's avoiding them probably because they gossip about her, probably because she's ashamed perhaps of this particular situation she is in. She encounters a stranger, a Jewish man, who speaks to her with dignity, probably something the people in the town do not do for her. In this, he breaks all the social barriers and customs of his time. He seemingly speaks to her about something very ordinary, water. I get it, they're at a well, but they're talking about water. But my friends, for hundreds of years, the peoples of the Old Testament had recognized in flowing waters, as we heard up in the first reading, a powerful symbol of God's living presence. The prophet Joel had spoke of a day uh, to come when God would pour out his spirit on all the people like living water. And there they are sitting at this well that is deep. Uh, as she points out, that he doesn't have the tools to get water out of it. And the water comes from the very depths of the earth, which was, even in that moment, a mysterious symbol of God's presence. It sets the stage for what is going to happen now for this woman. Jesus, who we know is the Messiah, is about to take the woman from the natural to the supernatural. As the conversation goes, Jesus, in a very disarming manner, asks her for something water. He finds something common with her. Water, cold water on a hot day. Lessons for all of us about finding the common element when dealing with others who maybe we don't like or they don't like us, or maybe they belong to a different type of faith. Remembering that just this common thing can bring us together and start a talking point. Jesus chooses water. The woman says to Jesus, how can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, and an unfamiliar woman for a drink? Remember, Jesus and men do not talk to the women unless they're their wives, and even in public, it's limited. And you would certainly never, never speak to an unfamiliar woman. Jesus, in his response, casts aside a very long-held prejudice and hostility of his people. Remember, the Jews don't like Samaritans. He just casts it all aside and talks to her. He confronts her, however, with her sin. But he does it in a way that does not condemn her. He allows her to make a confession. She says, no, I don't have a husband. You're right. Because he's trying to give her a gift. This gift that he wishes to give requires contrition and conversion, however. Now, now my friends, of course, a conversation about one's own failings and sins can be very painful and very tough. And she does exactly what probably each one of us would do, change the subject. Woman, you're caught in a very strange place of sin. Oh, I see you're a prophet. Don't talk about me anymore. Let's talk about something else, the mountain. 
but gently. He does not allow it or permit it. He moves back to that place. In this, then, he tells the woman who he really is and offers her the long-anticipated and hoped-for living waters of God's Spirit. She eventually understands that Jesus is not speaking about natural water anymore, but of the supernatural living waters of faith that she has heard about. We are told she leaves her water jar by the well. This is understood as a symbol of her willingness to change. She no longer needs the pleasures of this world. She no longer needs that. She wants something different. She hurries back to the town to tell the people, likely mostly the men as the women you know. They don't like her, so she's not going to tell them anything. <laughs> I suppose she gets back at them. She goes to tell them the good news about Jesus, this Jesus. The men follow the woman. That became a picture in my head. The wives are probably like, you ain't going anywhere with that woman. <laughs> but they follow her. They go out to see this Jesus. And they are initially curious because of the woman's words. They beg him to stay in their town with them, and he does, and we're told for two days more. In this they come to believe because they saw and heard for themselves. My friends, this morning you are here. You have journeyed to this well, this place where the sacramental life of the church is poured out for you. Like the Samaritan woman, we also bring with us this morning our struggles and our hopes and our dreams. We bring the reality that at times we go on a journey where we should not. The wrong places, our failures, our mistakes, and whatever it may be. And the Lord sees our everythings. You cannot hide it from him. He tells us who he is. He is offering us the living, renewing waters of his spirit, his graces. The question is, will you invite him to stay with you, as those villagers did, so that you may come to know and experience the joy of a living faith? Now, my friends, uh, we were told in the scriptures that many, not all in the town, came to believe. So I suspect some in that town preferred Jesus to go very quickly and get out of there. Why? Because they did not want to change. I pray that sentiment not be held by any of our members in this church. My friends, the other thing is Jesus went to directly through Samaria. The Jews did not do this because they hated each other. They would move around that town. Jesus deliberately goes into this town. Why? Because it was the right time, as he was telling in the scriptures, the harvest is ready now. These people are ready now. He tells them, if you only knew, if you only knew, truth would blot out the ignorance that they had. Truth, Jesus says, you will worship in spirit and truth. Spirit, his spirit. Truth, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth of the life. Through me, through me, when he says, not this mountain or that one, now through me, when the hour comes, the hour of his paschal mystery, the hour of his death. 
now people will come to the Father through me, and that will be everywhere. So my friends, out of that Samaritan town came for the first time the foremost title that belongs to Jesus and only Jesus, no one else, the title Savior of the World. Savior of the World. Those words of Jesus, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift of God, Jesus. Friends, let us be careful with our words. Let us look to the example of Christ who approached a woman um, and he was gentle with her, pointed out the things that needed to be pointed out, but he did so with gentleness uh, to bring her into a new place. And uh, um, he found the commonality between the hatred between two people, two groups of people. Let us look and search for that too, that commonality, and make that the bridge between us and others who maybe we do not like or do not like us. And then he tells her, uh, you will worship in truth and spirit. Worship requires sacrifice. We Roman Catholics, we come and we worship the sacrifice of the Mass in and through Jesus Christ to the Father, just as he has said. They will come through me now. So this is how we do this. Worship always requires sacrifice. And you hear the words of the priest, brothers, sisters, May God accept yours and my sacrifice. So we bring ours, what we can, to the sacrifice of Christ in the Mass. So let us not forget this. That's why it's so important for us to be here. And then ultimately, the woman leaves that wellspring transformed and changed, as you should too.